We're going to talk a little bit this morning about the most powerful weapon that you possess as a Christian. And uh, it's something that we rarely, rarely utilize because the enemy will come in and get us focused on other stuff. Amen? Amen. So you will find out this morning. You will see what the Lord has done for you. Another thing. How many guys can know that, that like Jesus does? Just when you think he's done a lot for you, you realize that you haven't even scratched the surface on what he has done for you. Amen. Amen. And, and a lot of you guys, man, are going to be set free this morning. I have no doubt about it in my mind because I know when the word goes forth, it goes forth with great power. And some of you guys maybe came in with some chains on you from, from some stuff in your life. I'm going to tell you this morning, they will be broken in the name of Jesus Amen. because the word just goes forth with great power. So let's pray and let's get right into it. Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word is always on time. It's always true. God, it is perfect. We thank you for blessing us with the truth. God, thank you for showing us who we are as a result of the finished work of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that he's alive today. We're here for a purpose. God, we thank you that we can come here and be changed, be changed forever because of what you have done for us. We look forward to it. We receive it. We have hope in Christ. We have a confident expectation of good this morning, Lord, because you are good. We thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for changing lives here this morning. Thank you for the testimonies that will come from this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Woo! Hey, if you look, there's like a little seatbelt there. Pretend like you're going to buckle it up because you're going to need them this morning. It's about to go down, right? We're going to be so hot up there. We need a fire. We got men with fire extinguishers out there, boy, ready to come swoop in. All right, let's get into it. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10. I want to tell you this, man. I, I've grown up kind of in the church, man. I've, I've been to different seminars. And I've been to different functions where, well, things, um, uh, you know, when it comes to spiritual warfare, that uh, people say you gotta, you got to climb to a high spot, you know, because you got to pull, pull them down, you know, the enemy and all that. I'm like, hmm, there's people that have rented helicopters to go up and, and denounce the enemy and stuff like that. And, and you're just like, what? <laughs> what? What is going on? There's a group that dresses in fatigues because they're going to war. You can Google them people, man. I'm like, well, slow your roll, bro. The war is over. Amen. <laughs> the war is over. Amen. Amen. But then you be dressing up in fatigues. I mean, it's cool sometimes. You look like boys to men if you wear the right outfit. Anybody know who? Bruce, Liz, you got boys to men CD in your car right now, don't you? Bruce like, come to the end of the road. Can you see Bruce singing that, man? <laughs> and Bobby right behind him, boy. Come. <laughs> they were in a boy band at one point in time, man. I know. All right. Hey, can we get back to the word? So check this out, man. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, right? Pulling down strongholds. Sometimes, man, we get in a battle and we have strongholds that hold us back. Right? That's a stronghold that holds us back. But where are these strongholds found? Where are they found? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. They're, they're not up in the clouds, man. They're here. Every thought you see it right there 
every thought captive. We that's that's where our spiritual warfare is. This is the battlefield right here, people. This is where it's at. Christ has done everything he can do for us. In fact, everything that we have, he's given it to us fully. There's nothing you can keep earning from God. It's not like some college degree. You go to get Jesus and more of Jesus, right? Once you get Jesus, you get all Jesus. You get all that he has for you. There's nothing more you lack. He's your shepherd. You shall not lack. Man, so we got to understand this, that the battlefield is right here. Yes, the war is won. Jesus conquered death. We are with Jesus. We have conquered death ourselves. Because we will live forever in eternity with Christ. But the only realm that the enemy that Satan can get to is right here. That's why it says take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So you see the, it, 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 the pulling down of the strongholds is not up there, guys. It's here. How many of you guys battle with some bad thoughts? Some of y'all judging me right now. right you're gonna have to repent (laughs) you will change your mind about me so how the enemy works let me tell you this this is kind of an example of how the enemy works once when i was growing up in middle school i had gone to uh (laughs) a church oak park baptist church that's where paul's dad is a preacher at but he wasn't there when i was there so this is nothing about your dad but I was growing up, man, and I've heard some things. I went to camp a couple times, and I always thought, and I, this is the one that I struggled with forever, that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I always thought that, man, that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you know, the Bible says that that's an unforgivable sin. So I battled that, man. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I realized the very fact that I'm worried about that proves that I didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, right? You're like, whoa, man, that's messed up. It was here, though. It was here. See, this is when it, it said in Mark chapter 3, right? So Jesus said that. He says, surely I say to you, all sin will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemes they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has unclean spirit. He has an unclean spirit. Okay, first of all, this isn't for believers because Paul would have mentioned it. Paul didn't mention it, right? Secondly, he's talking to pharisees who in person were rejecting who god sent that you see because they said he they who's they in this whole story it's the pharisees because they said that he who's he jesus they were saying that jesus was was an unclean spirit that jesus had an evil spirit about him a spirit of bezebul right so so they they were blaspheming at that time against the holy spirit and they had eternal condemnation but that's not for a believer But it's preached like that sometimes. And so I believe for so long that I was not going to go to heaven because I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And then that makes you think, well, why even go to church? Because there's no use. I'm I'm destined for hell now. Has anybody ever battled something like that that you heard, you thought growing up? And you're like, man, I'm in trouble. So why would I even go to church? I might as well just keep acting the way I'm doing. Right. And some of you are like, man, that's that explains a lot about you, Troy. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But that's not for us. What does Paul say? Check this out. Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you. Tell me, church, All. all your sins, all of them are forgiven. Every single sin that you've ever committed or will commit has been forgiven 
That's how powerful the work of Jesus is. Yeah. So Paul would have mentioned something right here with a little caveat, right? A little, unless you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But do you see that? No. If you see that in the Bible, take it back. Whatever story you got it from. Never buy your Bible from the Dollar General. Just saying. You know what we used to say, man? It's not the King James. It's the Rick James version, right? And you're, and you're like, whoa, whoa, that brother was crazy, boy. You know what I mean? Good God. So, back to 2 Corinthians 10. All right. Casting down arguments against every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of who? It's the obedience of Christ. Is it my obedience? No, it's the obedience of Jesus. It's not mine. I'm never going to be perfectly obedient. You will never be perfectly obedient. That's why it says bring every thought to the obedience of Jesus. Now, the NIV has the wrong translation. It says to obey Christ. That's not what it says. Now, that'll change everything, man. That's a bad theology. It doesn't say bring every thought to obey Christ because we can never obey him perfectly. That's why he came. That's why it says to his obedience. The King James says it. The new King James says it. And the original Greek says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. What are we to think of when we start having those thoughts? We got to remember the obedience of Jesus. Where was Christ obedient? At the cross. He was the Lamb of God. He was born to do that. Look at Luke. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to, to the church. No, it's for everybody. It's not just the church. God loves people. Jesus died for everybody. Whether or not they believe it or not, that's on them. But it's done. He's not coming back to deal with sin. Sin's dealt with. Amen? (laughs) Better than last week. I was killing y'all last week with that cough, boy. All right. Uh, four, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Not a judge, a Savior. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to take the judgment. He didn't come to judge people. If we're judging people for their actions, man, we better be ready to be judged by our actions. Christ didn't come to judge the world. He came to be the payment for the judgment of the world. And right here we see he came to be a Savior. A Savior from what? What do we need saving from? Our sins. sins. And he did it perfectly for the whole world. You believe that? Absolutely. That's who he is. That's that's why he came. Check this out in Philippians. You remember, take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what are we to do when when the enemy comes in and says, hey, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Immediately, I'm supposed to go what? To the cross where Christ was obedient in paying for my sins. That's not who I am. That's not what I've done. And he loves you. Oh, let me finish this up. Therefore, God has also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Every name. 
Any name that comes at you, there's a name greater than that name. You believe that, church? Yeah, man. If people start calling you names, that's okay, man. There's a name that's greater than those names. There's a name that represents you that's greater than those names. It's who we are. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. What people say to us is not the truth. What the word says is the truth. And what part of the word? It's the finished work of Jesus when he was obedient on the cross. Amen? Y'all want to go buy some fatigues? Be soldiers of Christ? Walk around singing, I'm blessed. We could just go through Publix. They'll be like, what church is that? <laughs> I am not going to that one. They're lost. Boom. Romans 5, 19. Y'all ready to be set free? Raise your hand if you want to be set free. <clears throat> if you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, it's okay. If you leave your hand up, you got issues. <laughs> <Just joking. laughs> we all got issues, right? <clears throat> so, has Christ set you free? Yes. Where's the only place lagging sometimes? It's right here. In the enemy's minefield, right here. No, no pun intended, right? Minefield. So, so the enemy tries to attack here. That's all he's got. Because he, he knows if we get this truth, he has nothing, nothing. He is defeated. But what he likes to do is come back and bring stuff up. He uses the personal pronoun, man. Sometimes he'll put that I in there. Like, man, man, I hate this, right? I hate that, right? He'll say I. He'll make you say I. When you really, you don't. It's not who you are. Right? Some of you are like judging me right now. I'm telling you, I can see it on your faces. And I'm here to tell you, man, that's not the truth. You love me. <laughs> you love me. I have to use that Jedi stuff on Kelly sometimes, man. You love me, baby. <laughs> Don't get crazy. <laughs> Almost every day. Right? So check this out. For as by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners. Who's that? That's Adam. So what Adam did was very, very powerful, yes? He, one man's sin in the garden made all of why, why are, is that next? Yeah. Why are people sinners? Because they sin? No. They're sinners because of what Adam did. Don't you believe that? That's what the Bible says. So, so <clears throat> what Adam did was very, very, very powerful. That first Adam. We, have, we got a second Adam, though. A much better Adam. But what Adam did was very powerful. And people will say people are sinners because they sin, but that's not true. We're sinners because we were born that way. Amen? So a, a dog is not a dog because it barks. It doesn't bark to be a dog. It is a dog. It was born that way, right? We don't sin to be a sinner. We sin because we were born sinners. That's how powerful what Adam did in the garden was. But so so we had to have a more powerful Adam come and break that power. And that's why that I asked this. How, how are people righteous? Because what the Bible calls the, the last Adam, the much more Adam, Jesus, what he did is much more powerful than what Adam did. Amen. If you're we got to know, we got to know what Jesus did for us. Would you agree? We got to know that when we start having these thoughts, like I'm not worthy, I'm not qualified, 
I'm ashamed. I got guilt. I got shame because of my past. I've done some crazy stuff in my past. And I see people sometimes that that were part of that crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, this guilt and this shame rush back. But you know what I've learned to do, man? And I'm not perfect at it, but I've learned to start speaking. That's I am the righteousness of God. Because Satan will come in here and he'll say, hey, man, how can you call yourself a Christian knowing what you just did, man? I'm like, wait a minute. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Back away from me, right? You don't have to take that stuff, man. He'll he'll put those personal personal pronouns in, right? You did this. You did that. You're not doing enough of this, right? You're not reading your Bible enough. You're not fasting. You're, you're not doing all. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Am I perfect at it? No, man, I fail all the time. But the important thing is you get right back up and you start saying what's true. You don't receive that stuff. It's not for you. It's not who you are. That stuff will hold you in bondage. Satan will always try to remind you of your past. Right? You remind him of his future. It's very bleak. He's defeated. He is a roaring lion with no teeth. He'll gnaw you to death. You know how annoying that is when somebody's like gnawing you, man? Wait a minute. That has never happened to me before. I'm just saying it could be annoying if somebody was gnawing you. That'd be gross. <laughs> I don't know where that example came from. Man. All right, so the enemy wants you to focus on your obedience. I put example Cain up there because some people say God loved Abel but didn't love Cain. That's wrong. Some people say Cain and Abel, uh, that Cain didn't love God and respect God. Abel did. And that's wrong, too. you got to read your Bible. Both these men loved God. Both these men respected God. The only problem with Cain was he brought the works of his own hands to God. That's his obedience. He was focused on his obedience, and God rejected it. But Abel brought the blood of an animal. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Abel brought the blood to to the table to God, and God accepted that. In other words, Abel was saying, hey, it's not my obedience, it's this perfect lamb, right? Who, it's not our obedience today, is it? It's the perfect lamb, Jesus. He did it for us. His obedience is what allows us to come to God today, the Father. And we can now call him Abba Father. Happy Abba Day. Abba Day. Not Arbor Day, Abba Day. Pace, there ain't no trees thing, man. Woo! So check this out. I, I, I put this verse in. It's not on the back of your bulletin, but I just wanted you to see it. And so it is written, the first Adam, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus is the last Adam. Would you agree what the first Adam did was, was very powerful? It's not fair, right? We, we were like, man, why is that mess? You remember the, the, the generational curse? Which, by the way, we're not under anymore. So if your great, great, great grandfather sinned, you got punished for it 120 years later. And you're like, what the heck, man? And then you get all mad at your great grandfather. You're like, man, what an idiot. And you forget what? That you're not perfect. But then that generational curse just goes on. Christ broke that curse, by the way, for us. We're not under that curse anymore. But that's the deal back in the day. What happens? Say you're... Think, everybody think about their grandfather. Say he died at birth. Where would you be today? 
That's deep, bro. <laughs> we wouldn't be here, right? Our destiny is wrapped up in our heritage. It's wrapped up in, we, we have no control over that. We all go back to Adam. And what Adam did in the garden had great power. Great power. But what the second Adam, the last Adam did, also had greater power. Much more power. Amen? Four, oh, this is, so Romans 6, 14. We, people say, what about this obedience? We do have to obey. We do have to obey. Don't worry about your obedience. Your obedience, once you figure this truth out, will be fruit. It'll be the fruit of the Spirit. That'll be the fruit of your obedience. Now, the works of the flesh are when you can't get this truth, when you're in bondage, right? So the fruit of the Spirit will come once you get this truth. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's a good thing. Dominion there in the Greek is power. Sin shall not have power. Who wants sin to not have any power in your life? How does that happen? Well, you got to understand that you are not under law, but under grace. That's how you, sin has no power when you understand it's not by what you do, it's by what he did for you. That's when sin loses its power. Amen? Uh, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? He says, certainly not. <clears throat> Paul must have looked out in the crowd and saw that on some of the Pharisees' faces. So Paul's saying we can just go sin because we're under grace. Paul's like, dude, you're an idiot. Listen to me. I wasn't looking at you and calling you an idiot. Please come back. She's like, is he talking to me? Yes, I am. <laughs> Sometimes I just point, man. All right. Uh, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So see, obedience is important. Are you obeying your sin that leads to death or are you obeying your righteousness that leads to life? But do you see anything about your? This is how this is preached, though. You see, if you if you sin, you're obeying sin. It's going to lead to death. If you if you're following Jesus perfectly, you'll have everlasting life because you're obeying Jesus. But this has nothing to do with us. This is not us. This is Romans chapter what? Anybody know the chapter that comes before Romans chapter six? You guys are unbelievable, man. So let's go back to chapter five. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So if you're obeying Adam, where Adam was, the first Adam, that's sin leading to death. But if your obedience is Jesus' obedience, that's, that's righteousness leading to life. Does that make sense? This whole thing in Romans chapter 6 is about Adam and Jesus. If you follow Adam, you're in the, you're in the, whoa, I went too, there you go. If you follow Adam, it's sin leading to death, right? That's what it says. It's not about us. That obedience is still about Christ. Our only, the only thing we can do is take every thought captive to Jesus dying on the cross for us. That's it. That's, that's the only thing we have to do. The more we fight that battle in our mind, the worse it gets. But when we understand that we can nip those things in the bud, and I always tell this when I'm counseling people, right? Can we do this? Have you ever gotten an argument with your spouse or your parent? Y'all were arguing in the morning, and then you went your separate ways. Anybody ever do that? Nobody wants to raise a hand. <laughs> you don't have to raise it. This is not Catholicism. 
Chris, you know what I'm saying. You don't have to like. Anyway, Dennis, help me out with her later on, all right? <laughs> you, you, you go your separate ways, and then you start remembering that conversation. And then you're like, if, if she was said something, I'm driving to work. I'm like, man, she said that. I should have said this. And then you say it, right? And then you're like, and then she would probably came back with this. And I would have said this, right? And you're just getting all tense and everything, man. And, that, and now you're chasing that rabbit, right? And all the while, that conversation never happened except anywhere but here, right? And then I get back to Kelly, and I'm ticked at her because she said all those things. But did she really say them, or was it in my head? I said those things, right? But I put it on her because it seemed real. See, that's how the enemy works. He gets in your mind. But what happens if I nip those thoughts in the bud? When, when, instead of saying, I should have said this to her, why don't I say, nope, not going to go down that road. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I love my wife. I do. I love her. And you nip it. So you replace the lie with truth. That's called nipping it in the bud. That's called capturing your thoughts to the obedience of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? So I just saved you guys like $150 in counseling fees right there. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't resist. But, there's a good but right here, right? But God be thanked. That you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed. You, now here, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. In other words, you believe that what Jesus did. You believe his obedience on the cross set you free from, from sin. You see right there, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin. How many of you guys went to, to school in Gainesville? I'm not talking about Lake City or, or Fort White. <laughs> I'm joking. My wife went to Fort White, so that's why I joke about it. Right? She's smarter than I am. How, how many of you guys remember in school what past tense means? Is it important in the English language? Yeah. Yes, it is. Right? If I told when Kelly and I met and I said, I am married, it's different than I was married. Right? That would make a difference to her. Would it make a difference to you? Yes. So it's important. We got to know, having been set free, it's done, church. We have been set free from sin. And the word sin there is a noun. Why is that important? Because how many of you guys still sin today? See, we haven't been set free from the verb part of it. We're going to sin. God knows that. But what we've been set free is the noun part of it. We've been set free from the judgment of it, the condemnation of it. God's not going to condemn us anymore for sin because he put all that on Jesus. Amen. Who removed the water bottles? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. You know how bad it is when you want to kick something that ain't there? <laughs> they start throwing it back last week. I don't like that. That ain't no fun. 
All right, you became slaves of righteousness. You became. We, right now, in Christ, we are slaves of righteousness. That means you cannot escape your righteousness because it was given to you by a more powerful atom, an atomic atom. A little celestial stuff for you right there, bro. Yeah, we're almost done. So you can see... (coughs) That this is this Adam. I need an example. I need somebody that looks like a, a sinner. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Stand right here, Brad. Don't smile. You're a sinner. All right? This man is not saved. He's a sinner. Right? If I had a marker, I'd put an S on your forehead, man. Now, say he's a sinner. He's not saved. Jesus hadn't died for him, right, yet. Um, he is he is a sinner now he's a sinner not because he sins he's a sinner because he was born that way amen we see that in that verse right there what if he did something righteous a righteous act like what if he gave money to somebody would that make him righteous or would he still be a sinner he'd still be a sinner right so what does that say that what adam did was so powerful that it, it, it it can't be broken he cannot be made righteous by a righteous act, by one righteous act. He's still a sinner, right? Unless a greater Adam comes along. That's how, that's how awesome the first Adam was. Amen? You see what I'm saying? One righteous act does not make him righteous. All right? Give Brad a hand. He's such a good sinner. Is there a good sinner? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Right. So I want you guys to see that's how powerful what Adam did. He made many became sinners. Now, I'm going to need somebody that is a can't help but be blessed because they're saved. So. Miss Kathy. You are the most blessed person I know. Because of who your husband is. Hey, bro, you can pay me later. All right. You know I just set you up, brother. You gotta... <laughs> All right, so now, Miss Kathy is a believer. She's a Christian. She still, uh, she, is she righteous? Yes, we all agree she's righteous. Now, what if Miss Kathy does one sinful act? Does that make her go back to a sinner, or is she still righteous? She's still righteous. See, many would be made righteous by what Jesus did. But see, we have a problem here because the church preaches that if you sin, you go back to being a sinner. But that's what we're saying is what the first Adam did was much more powerful than what Jesus did. That can't be true, church. What Jesus did was much more powerful than what Adam did. She can't undo her righteousness. Come on, church. She cannot undo her righteousness by by her actions. It was never her to begin with. It was Jesus, his actions for her that made her righteous. So when she still sins, how many we all still sin? When we still sin, we're still righteous because a greater Adam paid the price for us to be there. You can't lose it, church. Thank you, Miss Cash. Something's wrong, church, when we say that what Adam did was more powerful than what Jesus did. 
There's people that believe that. They preach that. They don't, they, I don't even know if they know. I didn't know. I used to speak that stuff out, but I didn't know. I never stepped back and go, wait a minute. Nothing I did could make me righteous before I came to know Christ. What makes me think that when I still sin, that I go back to being a sinner and not righteous anymore? That is, that is demeaning what Christ did on the cross. And that's not the truth. Not the truth. So, so this obedience it's not obedience to the law it's not obedience to what you do Paul calls it something else in Romans right Romans chapter 1 he opens it up with it through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations obedience to the faith it's not obedience to the law anymore you guys can't keep the ten commandments I hope that eases it up a little bit for you stop trying you can't do it and the moment you stop trying and start resting and believing what is done for you, you'll start to do those things without effort. It'll be who you are. It'll be a fruit and not a root. Amen? It'll be a fruit. It'll just be who you are. He finishes up Romans chapter 16. He finishes it up this way. Now to him who is able. Bam. Stop right there. Is he able? Yeah. You could stop right there. Right? Some of y'all are like, I wish you would. <laughs> now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. In other words, everything's about Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. But now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Paul says, in other words, don't be obedient to the law. You can't get there. You can't get to heaven through there. Be obedient to the faith. Your faith has got to be that Jesus did a perfect work for you on the cross. He finished the work. There's no more work to be done. No more work to be done. And when those back in the day when they brought the lamb to the to the high priest, the high priest never looked at the guy. He knew he was a sinner. He looked at the lamb. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Who paid for your sin, church? The lamb of God did. So God's not even looking at you in your sin. That's why he says that in the Bible. I'll never look at your transgressions again. Why? Because of what Jesus did. God looked at Jesus. He put all that wrath on Jesus for you. He's not looking at your sin anymore. So that's how we can walk in victory. That's how we know we're blessed. That's how we can get up and say, hey, I am blessed beyond measure today. Not because of what I do, but because of what he did for me. We're almost done. Galatians 3. Oh, foolish grace. I looked up the word foolish here. It means stupid. That's what it means. Oh, even in, that's what I'm saying in the Greek. Oh, stupid Galatians. Right? Who has bewitched you? That's spiritual bewitchment. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Wait a minute. Obey the truth. What does obeying the truth look like? Right? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as what? Crucified. Finished work. The obedience of Christ. That's the truth. We're obeying that truth. Right? Uh, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? 
or by the hearing of faith. Are you so stupid? <laughs> Don't be sending me emails either. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by what you do? No. Stop trying to please God. Just rest in the fact that he is pleased with you. He is so pleased with you that he gave his son for you. And the fact that he's so pleased with you says that what his son did was perfect, was good enough. Let it be good enough for you. Stop punishing yourself for what you've done in the past. Stop punishing yourself for what people have done in our past. Amen? Amen. It's not for us. I'm not punishing myself for my family member that took advantage of me when I was a kid. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm victorious because of what Christ did for me. That's not for me. Some things happen, guys. Some things are our fault. A lot of things are our fault. Some things are not our fault. Some things happen to us and they're very bad. And I know that that's happened in this church. We've shared testimonies. But that's not who we are. That's not where we stay. And the only way the enemy can get me or you to stay there is get in our head. Hey, remember when you did that? When, when, when I had a... when. So... When somebody asks you to pray over them because they're sick, the first thing that comes to my head is, hey, man, remember when you cussed? Remember when you, when you lied? Remember All the sin, all the shame, all the guilt. Why? Because the enemy knows if I get this message, it is a great, powerful weapon. And I can, I can lay hands on somebody and pray over them and, and, and just pray boldly with power over them because I'm not looking at me and my failure I'm, I'm, I know who I am. I know who's in me. I know how God sees me. And that gives me the power to be able to do that. Amen. It's a great weapon when you realize who you are. Would you agree? Amen. The greatest weapon you can have is to take every thought captive to Jesus on the cross and what he did for you. Amen? Amen. Woo! We're almost done. This is it right here, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? Yes. Have you accepted Jesus? You are in Christ. You are a new creation, a, a new creation. That, that means that every cell in your body is brand new. That old song that said, oh, give us a clean heart, oh, Lord. Listen, they make songs out of that. I don't sing it. You know why? Because he gave me a new heart. He made me a new creation. That's not for me. I don't have to beg God for a clean heart. I have one. I'm a new creation. Amen. And so do you. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all say all things, church. All things, all things have become new. Everything is new to you. Everything. It's, it's like a clean slate. And then there's no more marks when you mess up. Your name doesn't get put on the heaven board. You don't get to skip playground or art or snack. Right? The, Jesus took your place. I would just love to see some kid at Kelly's school when she sits him down sit down and because he's being punished and then some other kid walk up and say hey Miss Rumor I'd like to take his place I'd like to let him go play just so he can see the kind of love that the Lord has for him amen, amen? amen. and some adults should do that go to the prison say hey I'd like to take your never mind don't do that that'd be <laughs> I'd be like how long how that's right. Hey, I believe it, brother, but I ain't going to go in there and say, hey, man, you got 10 years? <laughs> I 
brother here has one month left. <laughs> That's how much I love you. <laughs> now all things are of God who has reconciled us. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Right. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them. Oh, that's good. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Listen, this is God saying, because of Jesus, I'm no longer imputing. I'm no longer holding your sin against you. Because it was put on Jesus. There's no more condemnation for you. Does that set you free? Instead of thinking, man, God's going to punish me. God's going to punish me. God's going to punish He's not. He put it on Jesus. That's taking every thought captive. When you feel like God's out to get you, take that thought captive and say, no, he put it on Jesus. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, people are always preaching that you need to be reconciled to God. Wait a minute. In context, I already am. If a pastor breaks out just that one verse, you remind him of the verses before it. I am reconciled, right? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in him. Why? Because Jesus took our place. He took your sin. He became sin. Did Jesus have sin? No. He knew no sin, had no sin. In him, there was no sin. But he became sin for you. He took the full wrath of God. Sin was paid for on the cross. There's no more sin judgment coming, church. It's done. It happened a long time ago. But what I want you to know and what we struggle with is the second part. How do we become righteous? We, he gave us his righteousness. That's who we are. Just like he became sin, he took our sin, we became righteous, we took his righteousness. There was a divine exchange at the cross. We are righteous in God's eyes right now. Am I, am I, am I bragging? Am I ready to go do whatever I want? No. You know why? Because I know who I am. When you know that you're righteous, you won't want to go out and do those things. Because that fruit will just come out, you just start loving people. Amen? Amen. You'll love people the way God loves people. You won't love them because they agree with you. You'll love them because God loves them. There are a lot of people that I don't agree with. A lot. A lot. Dang, this is it. This is it. Look on the back of your bulletin. This is it. <laughs> How many of you guys are learning something today? Amen. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's who we are. Would you agree? We just hammered that thing. We dove into it. And now we're free. Right? Look at this part, though. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. That's why the law was given so you could see how great a sinner you were. Right. But where sin abounded, the word there is increased. Grace, God's favor for you, his unearned favor for you. Increased much more, super increased. It's soup where sin increases his you can't out sin his grace. You your sin doesn't doesn't disqualify you from every blessing because 
Nothing you did qualified you for it except saying Jesus is my Savior. And I believe he's alive today. That's the only thing that qualifies us for. That's it. We are forever saved. When you accept Jesus, you will forever be saved. Nothing can take that away from you. Not even your sin. And when you sin, grace comes swooping in over you. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to to eternal life. Not when we get to heaven. Right now, grace is reigning in you. It's a beautiful thing, man. God's favor is on you, and you didn't do anything to earn it. And it'll last till you get to heaven and then some, right? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, you got to know who you are. You got to know that God is not out to get you. God's not holding your sin against you anymore. He has put all that on Jesus. And Jesus took the full wrath of God. And now you can rise up and keep moving. You can still be used by God. Doesn't matter what your past is. In fact, the worse your past is, the more people you can speak to. Because you will cover a bunch of stuff. A bunch of areas that people are struggling with. And God will use you. God is faithful. He's faithful to use you and your story. Our past is called our history. If you break that word up, it's his story. His story in your life. I'm telling you, people need to hear your story. They need to hear how you got out of it. Man, when I, when I first expressed what happened to me as a kid, when I first was able to talk about that, Kendra, it was a freeing moment. And, and it didn't, I didn't plan on it. It just came out while I was on stage talking to youth. It was unbelievable. All the stuff that I had guilt and shame about, none of it was my fault. None of it. I didn't, listen, I wasn't perfect, but I sure didn't deserve what I got back then. But when I was able to speak about it, man, it just came out. I'm like, I'm, it's like I was up in the corner watching myself go, what, what's he doing? He's letting it out, man. But once I let it out, once I let everybody know what happened to me, man, the, the love that came in, that's why Satan never wanted it out. He never wanted me to share that. And I'm telling you, everybody's got a past. Everybody's got sin. Everybody's got things they're done. I'm not saying let's stand up and just start to say, hey, I uh, did this back in 1986. And none of that matters. I'm saying what matters is you got to take every thought captive and know that God sees you as righteous right where you are and can use you to change lives down the road. That's what happened with my story. People were being set free all over the place. I had no idea what was going on. Tragic things happen. But you got to know that you are the righteousness of God. And the greatest weapon you can have is to take every thought captive to Christ dying on the cross for you. Satan comes in and says, hey, you're a sinner. Say, no, I'm righteous. You're not bragging. You're not being cocky. You're speaking truth. Amen, church. Hey, stand up and give the Lord a hand. Give him a shout. Yes. That is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be free. Amen. Listen, I, uh, I, I'm going to bring Pastor, you come, Pastor Dwayne up. If, if you, we don't do things normal, <laughs> like you grew up thinking probably. If, if, if you have a prayer request, man, I would love to pray with you. I'll be out here, man. I'll, we can go in a room or something and pray. 
If you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know who he is. Maybe you thought you knew who he is, but now you know. Now you know he loves you, that he loves you, that he loves you right where you are. He always has. Always has. If that's you, man, I'd love to lead you in a, in a short prayer, man. It doesn't take all day. I'm hungry just like you hungry, right? It really doesn't take religion jacks that up. But if that's you, man, let one of us pray with you. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are, what we believe. It, 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 I mean, listen, this grace thing is in the fabric of the walls of this church. It, it, it goes every time he thinks about a song to sing. It's based around the grace message, the gospel. Because to us, I shouldn't say that to us, the grace. It's not a message. It's a person. Jesus. Right. Every song he picks. Every word that we say from up here is based around the person of Jesus, the grace person of Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. If you're looking for a place like that, we'd love to have you. Come up here and sign this W-2 form. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> We're going to end on that one, huh? <laughs> All right. I got my buddy, my prayer partner with me this morning. This is Mason. Everybody say hello, Mason. Amen. All right. Let's go before the Lord and pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word today, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom, Lord, that we receive, Lord, when we receive your word. We thank you, Lord, for your word is truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word helps us, Father, to stand against every attack of the enemy, Father. We thank you, Father, for your word that covers us and watches over us and protects us and provides for us. Thank you, Father, for equipping us with your word. We thank you, Lord that you have equipped us and you've empowered us and you've given us a tongue, Father, that we can speak life into our situations and over our lives, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for even giving us the mind of Christ and knowing, Father, what to speak death into, Father, those things that are not for us. Father, we can speak death into those things. And we just thank you, Lord, for that equipping. We thank you for that ability. We thank you, Father, for just abundantly supplying us with with, with all that we need, Father, in this life. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you just allow us to come into this place today, Lord, and to worship you freely, to sit in this place and rest and receive your word, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, Father, that we will go equipped with the gospel, with the truth of Jesus Christ, Father, that we would share it. We thank you for every divine appointment. I speak blessing and healing and life over this body of believers, Lord, over every person in this place and every household represented, Father. Father, I ask you, Father, to go before them and continue to make their path straight, Father. Continue to strengthen and bless the work of their hands and cause them, Father, to be, to be fruitful in the earth, all for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray that the church say amen. Amen. amen.